Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is the much-anticipated UFC 251 live from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. People are jacked up about all three of these title fights, as well as the phenomenal main card that precedes it. So, we are going to be breaking down the prelims, though. As you guys know who frequent the show, we are all about the prelims. And for those of you who are new to the show and you might be wondering to yourself, why just the prelims? Why not break down Usman Masvidal or, or Volkanovski Holloway or even Nami Yunus versus Andrade? The answer is really simple. You guys know a ton about those fighters. You guys probably have a good idea on how those fights are going to go. But you probably don't have a really great sense of some of these prelim fighters. A lot of these prelim fighters might be brand new to you. And we think there's a lot of money to be won in both DraftKings and Daily Fantasy Sports by knowing a little bit more about that. Plus, it just makes the prelims more enjoyable. So, we're here to help you break those down. But before we do, speaking of DraftKings and gambling, I need to let you know that this episode is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in our show notes. You can make sure to check it out. AJ is unlike all of the other places that offer gambling advice. He's not just a list of fighters or teams that you put money down on each week and, and hope that that works out. He does so much more than that. He provides his customers with not only picks, but with the education that you can use for years to come. He does this through in-depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox for both gambling and DraftKings. And essentially, he gives you all the tips and know-how so that you can make informed decisions and maximize your own profit. And you don't have to just take my word for it. You can check out his extensive record, his past breakdowns, and his customer successes over on AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. Once again, that link is in the show notes. And you can follow him on Twitter, at AJMMABetting. You won't be sorry that you did. Now, I, of course, need somebody to help me break down these fights. Joining me today for seemingly the hundredth time from my MMA news, Kristen King. Kristen, thanks for coming on again. Thank you for having me. I always love doing this stuff with you. All right. And as you guys know, in order to start this, we got to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about an exciting fighting light heavyweight. That's Vulcan Ozdemir versus Yuri Proshopka. Uh, Ozdemir on a two-fight win streak. He knocked out Ilya Latifi, followed that up with a split decision victory over the quickly rising Alexander Rechich. Proshka, on the meanwhile, is... 10-0 in his last 10, including eight straight KOs. He most recently knocked out C.B. Dalloway viciously in Ryzen. So, obviously, he has faced good competition with the likes of C.B. Dalloway. But this is a huge step up. Is this the right booking for Yuri in his first UFC fight? I mean, it definitely makes a lot of sense because I think both of these men are going to go inside the cage and just start striking with each other because that's what is to be expected. And especially, it's a great part... It's a good move on the UFC's part, because if you haven't heard of Yuri before, you would get a little bit a, a taste of him in this fight. So I think it's the right move as far as how the fight goes. I'm not entirely sure that I'm super confident. Obviously, he has great striking. He has incredible knockouts. I think the last like seven or eight fights of his have finished by way of knockout in the very first round. I'm not sure that can happen against someone like Volkan Oezdemir. I mean, he obviously has, he has a lot of power in his hands, but I think he has a bit more patient in his striking as of recently. That's why we got the last kind of performance. It didn't. It looked good for him, but it wasn't what we typically expect from a Volkan Oezdemir fight. So I think personally, 
just the step up in competition for Yuri and the fact that he's going to fight inside of a cage for the first time, because I believe in Ryzen, they don't really have that kind of setup. I think there's going to be a little bit of a disadvantage for him. So I'm expecting a barn burner of a fight. I just don't know if Yuri can get it done this time. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the cage, too. I'm so glad you brought that up, because if you think about Ozdemir, too, in some of his past fights, he's really good in the clinch. I mean, I'm remembering him knocking out Misha Serkinov from close range in the clinch. You know, he's got that really close, dirty boxing, and he creates power from such, such small space. So, like... I'm really worried about Yuri getting pushed against the fence. Um, what, what's your official prediction on this one, though? Who do, who do you got winning? You know what? I am going to go safe. I'm going to take Ozdemir by way of second round knockout. Yeah, I'm going to take Ozdemir, too, and I'm actually going to take him in the first round. I, I think while I really like Yuri as a UFC prospect, I just think that this is kind of a bad matchup for his first time in the cage. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, who's fighting Muslim Salikov. Dos Santos, 2-1 in his last three. He rear-naked choked Curtis Milliner, got knocked out by Ling Jianglong, and he got deci- won a decision over Alexei Kuchenko. Salikov, meanwhile, is on a three-fight win streak. He knocked out Ricky Rainey and Nordin Talib before getting a decision over Loriano Staropoli. So, Salikov has got that big knockout power that that a lot of people were talking about. But obviously, Dos Santos, with his ranginess and his spinning shit, is kind of hard to get his hands on. It's kind of hard to hit. What are your thoughts on whether or not Salikov can close that distance? You know what? I think Salikov can definitely close that distance. I I think, first of all, we have to consider the, the kind of fight styles from both men. I mean, their nicknames are King of Kung Fu and Capoeira. So you can definitely expect some flashiness. A bunch of spinning shit, as you said. But the thing is with uh, Dos Santos, I think he leaves himself open just slightly enough for Salyakov to get something in there. And, of course, we talked about his power. He has the power to put down anybody. I think in his last two fights, they have come by way of knockout. Um, so I expect him to be able to touch uh, Dos Santos slightly. He definitely has that, that kind of power. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does drop Dos Santos. Dos Santos has been known to get hit quite a bit. But because he is so good at um, his technique and his his flashy ranginess, I guess you can say, um, he looks like a, def- a, a great fighter. But I think against Salyukov, you really have to be careful. He can definitely spark somebody. Um, as far as the overall fight, I, I definitely expect like a stand-up battle. I don't think this is going to go down to the ground in any manner. Of course, DeSantos would have the, the advantage there by way of his uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I just don't see that happening. I see this being a stand-up battle. And honestly, I think I'm going to take Salyakov, as surprising as that might be to you. It's a little bit surprising. I do have it as a really close fight. But, you know, you mentioned in there that you you expect it to be a stand and trade. I totally think that Zaleski Dos Santos can definitely take it to the ground if he wants to. Remember, he took down, you know, Alexei Kuchenko twice in his last fight, who is, uh, you know, not a, an exactly replica copy of Muslim Salikov. You know, I'm not just going to pair all Eastern Europeans together. But, like, he's got a lot of the same stuff going on. He was a good striker. He's a big, tough guy. I think Zaleski Dos Santos definitely could steal some rounds that way. Uh, and he's tough to put away. I mean, like, Lee Jiang Long did put him away. But, like, that was a different kind of fight, too, right? Like, Dos Santos was getting taken down. So I'm going to differ with you here. I'm going to take Dos Santos. I'm going to take him by decision. Uh, how do you got Salikov winning? I'm going to take Salikov by third-round technical knockout. All right. Well, you heard it here, and we're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with round number two. 
this just in, and I do mean just in, I just got this information to my inbox a second ago. AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets is running a Fight Island special. He's going to hit you with all of his premium services for every Fight Island card for 20% off the going rate. That's right. You can get 20% off, which is going to increase your margins when you win. That is awesome. And with this many fights in so few days, you know you're going to need that extra edge. You can't break down all these fights. Let AJ be that edge for you. Head on over to AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. The link is in the show notes. And get in on this amazing Fight Island special immediately. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round with Mach 1, Amir Khani versus Danny Henry. Amir Khani just snapped a two-fight win streak. He had beaten Jason Knight and Chris Fitchgold, but then he got knocked out by Shane Burgos. Certainly no shame in that. And then Danny Henry uh, also lost a two-fight win streak. He had beaten Dan- Daniel Tamer and Hakeem Dawudo, uh, but then he got some by Dan Ige. So, Obviously, Henry had beaten those two very strike-heavy opponents, right? Two, you know, taekwondo, you know, kickboxer types. And then he loses to the really talented grappler. Is that enough to really worry about this matchup against Makwan Amirakani, who is, you know, another talented grappler? Absolutely. Against someone like Amirakani, who is known for going for the takedowns no matter what, and then completely dominating from top position... I would have a lot of concern from Danny Henry. Obviously, he, he, Americani is not like a Dan Ige type, but he's up there. So I would definitely expect him to take the fight to the ground and, and immediately look for the submissions. I, I'm hoping that Danny Henry has worked on that a little bit. I think he has a good fight IQ when it comes to the ground. It's unfortunate that he got submitted by Dan Ige, but that those things kind of happened. So hopefully he has worked on his submission defense. I think he's good off his back also on the ground. So maybe if he can see Amirakani slip up in any way from the top. He can kind of work his way into submission. I don't see that happening. I think Amirakani is going to push him up against the cage or on the ground and, and just hammer him from there and potentially look for a submission. I mean, the, the blueprint has already been laid out from his last loss. So hopefully Amirakani would probably follow the same uh, lines as Dan Ige set up. Yeah, I, I kind of see the same exact thing. I think, you know, Henry is a guy who, unless he makes really large gains in his grappling game, I think we've sort of seen the ceiling on him, right? Like, he can outgrapple some of the strikers, but he can't outgrapple the grapplers, and he's <laughs> adequate on the feet. So, you know, Amir Khani here, I do think is a nightmare matchup. I'm going Amir Khani sub. I'm going to say he gets it done in the second round, probably rear naked choke. Uh, how do you got him winning? I'm going to go the same. Amir Khani, second round, sub. All right, and that brings us to Leonardo Dos Santos versus Roman Bogatov. So Dos Santos is actually undefeated in his seven UFC bouts. He's 6-0-1. That includes wins over Kevin Lee, Anthony Rocco Martin, and most recently Stevie Ray, which is you know just an absolutely crazy run. But of course, he's only fought once in the last four years. Bogatov, meanwhile, is 10-0. Uh, he's the M1 Global Champion. He most recently started or stopped Mikhail Labout in his his last bout all the way back in August. I think a lot of people forget how good Leonardo Dos Santos is because he's got all of those you know, that big gaps. At 40, can he still deal with somebody whose athletic is Bogatov? Listen, I am not counting anybody out by any means, especially if it's someone like Leonardo Santos. Obviously, he is 40 years old. He hasn't fought in a while. I think he's been riddled with quite a bit of injuries in the last couple of years, and that's why he hasn't been able to fight. But I'm not counting him out. I mean, yes, Bogotov is absolutely athletic. 
he will look to take you down and he will get some serious ground and pound going. But I don't know if that's going to serve him well for uh, against someone like Leonardo Santos, who is well known for his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, it's insane how he looks on the ground. And that's why I personally wouldn't want to go up against him on the ground because I know I'd be submitted. Bogotov probably has to be thinking the same thing. I don't think he's going to be able to bully Leonardo Santos on the ground. If anything, he has the advantage here. I would definitely expect Santos to go for submissions after submissions, no matter what position they end up on the ground. So I'm not counting Leonardo Santos out. I, I just can't do it. It's weird, too, because he's that kind of fighter that every fight he goes up against, you're like, oh, this maybe this snaps his win streak in the UFC, but then he pulls it out. And it's like, well, but I can't I can't count against this guy. So I'm definitely not going to do that against uh, him in this fight with Bogotov. And it, it's the promotional debut, I believe, of Bogotov. So I think this might be quite the challenge for him. Yeah. And I, I think, too, you know, you you mentioned his jujitsu. I, I think his striking is underrated, too. You know, he might be 40 years old, but he dropped an absolute hammer on Stevie Ray who is not, you know, a weak guy to begin with. You know, he went three rounds with Michael Johnson, who's got, you know, heavy hands. So I like Santos in this, too. I think he's got a big advantage on the feet as well. And, and like you said, he, he's no slouch on the ground. There's no way that Bogotov is just going to control him for 15 minutes. I'm going to go Santos, and I think he probably finishes Bogotov. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go Santos, possibly second-round submission as well. All right, and that's going to get us our last fight here in the second round, and that's Marcin Tybura versus Maxim Grishin. So Tybura had been KO'd in back-to-back fights, but then he took a decision victory over Sergei Spivak. Grishin, meanwhile, is coming to the UFC for the very first time. He hasn't lost since 2016, and that was against UFC veteran Magomed Ankulev, and that run includes a win over Jordan Johnson in the PFL. So Grishin is obviously the the you know thing about him is, is that he's a 205er, and he's taking this fight at heavyweight. The question then becomes, does Marcin Tybura have the right kind of game and the right kind of skill set to use that size disparity against Grishin here? I think he does, especially because Marcin Tybura, he's known for being that kind of heavyweight fighter that, like, he's good at striking, he's good on the ground, but it's just like he doesn't really have a specialty. So whatever game plan Maxim Grisham is kind of coming in with, I can see Tybura completely just laying waste to that and just doing what he does best. He's probably going to look to grind out the fighter, especially if this is not Maxim Grisham's normal weight class, this is a, a jump up in weight from light heavyweight to heavyweight. That kind of concerns me. I don't know if he's been in the in, in inside of a fight with these heavier guys and against someone like Marcin Tibera, who anywhere the fight goes, I'm pretty sure he's going to find a way to win. I don't think that that is good enough for the uh, promotional debuter of Grisham. I'm excited to see him in here, but I think this is a really bad matchup, especially when this is not his natural weight class. Yeah, I sort of agree with you on this, but the one thing I will say, too, of Tybura is that, you know, if Grishin has been in there with wrestlers like Jordan Johnson, who was an undefeated UFC guy, right? He, he hadn't lost in the UFC when he decided to leave for PFL. He, he's fought guys who can wrestle him up pretty well. Now, you know, obviously those guys don't weigh 250 pounds like Tybura does, but I'm not sure necessarily that Tybura wants to wrestle him. And if Tybura tries to strike with him... I'm a little worried about Tybura's speed disadvantage that he'll have here because he's a bigger, lumbering heavyweight, definitely with probably more power in his hands, but I'm a little bit worried about that. We are to the end of this round, so I do got to ask you for your prediction. Who you like here, Tybura or Grishin? Um, I'm playing this one safe, too. I'm just going to go with Tybura by way of decision. All right, and I'm going to go with Grishin. I think the speed probably overwhelms Tybura, especially as it gets towards the third round. I'm going to take him by TKO in the third. 
And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with the last three fights. Alright guys, just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that he sends you not just his picks for the week, but he also sends you pros and cons for every matchup along with his thoughts on DraftKings matchups. And it doesn't stop there. He also provides extensive audio and video content for his clients. For instance, I was getting ready for this weekend's card when all the shuffling happened and, and Masvidal Usman wound up at the top instead of, you know, Usman versus Burns. And boom, just like that, a thoughtful video breakdown of Usman Masvidal right in my inbox. I, I listened to it in the ride to work. It was perfect. And, and this is the kind of stuff that can always, you can always count on with AJ and it really takes you to the next level. So make sure you head to that next level at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Raleon Paiva versus Zalgis Zamagulov. Ooh, got that one. Good for me. Um, Paiva is one and two in the UFC. After losing his first two bouts to Kaikara France and Rogerio Bontarin, he knocked out Mark De La Rosa back in February to sort of save his job. Uh, Zamagulov is on a four-fight win streak, he's the FNG flyweight champion, and his last three wins are all over people who the UFC has signed, including Tyson Nam and former title challenger Ali Bagotinov. So here's the question. Paiva, definitely a really long fighter. He fights long. He's very tall for the flyweight division. What does Zamugulov have to do in order to combat that length? Zamugulov has to get in there and look for some takedowns as soon as possible. I think the way that Paiva fights, he can definitely leave himself open, but it's not a bad thing, especially if he's sparking people out like he did with Mark De La Rosa. But Zumagulov has to go for his, his bread and butter in this fight, essentially. Get the fight to the ground and potentially hold Paiva there for as long as he can. It's probably going to be a difficult thing to do, especially considering that Paiva has some solid takedown defense and can scramble if he needs to. Um, cherry on top of that is that his striking is pretty excellent as well. So if Zumagulov can hold him down, that'd be great. Um, I think he has the cardio to do it. He can definitely keep someone on the ground for as long as he can. I think all the last couple of his fights were like five round fights and they all went to decision. So I'm not really worried about the cardio there. I'm, I'm more so worried about whether or not he can keep Paiva down. And if he can, then we can see potentially uh, some good things out of the promotional newcomer as well. Yeah, and I'm sort of interested to see what would happen if he goes for this takedown and he winds up with him up against the cage because Paiva has really solid like knees and, and clinch work as well. So to see a guy work constantly working for a takedown but while also fighting off that kind of stuff, it's definitely an interesting dynamic if it winds up there. But you're right. If he winds up on top, it's definitely his fight. If it winds up on the feet, I think it's Paiva. This is a clear striker-grappler sort of matchup. What do you got? You got the striker or the grappler? You know what? I'm going to go with the striker. I'm going to say Paiva gets it done. All right. And I'm going to differ with you on this one. I'm going to take Zamugulov, uh, and I'm going to take him by decision because, you know, that's how he's won his last three or four anyway. Uh, and that brings us to our next fight, which is Davy Grant versus Martin Day. Uh, Davy Grant returned after two years, and he went one and one in that year. He lost to Manny Bermudez and then followed that up with a victory over Grigory Pavlov. Martin Day, meanwhile, is 0-1 in the UFC. He lost to Ping Yuan Liu in, in his debut, and that came almost two years ago. Since then, he's had three different fights canceled. 
it's obviously a long time since that debut where, you know, we saw some good things, but not a ton of them. How much does that layoff worry you about Day? I'm worried about the layoff for both of them, honestly. I, I think that's definitely the, the big factor that sticks out about both Grant and Day. I mean, it's been quite a while for Grant because of his injuries. And then as far as Day, it's unfortunate that his fights continue to get canceled. But I'm definitely worried about either man. I will say that Day is certainly the better striker out of the two. Obviously, he's going to look to keep the fight standing because he does well in those exchanges. But Grant also has an opportunity in trying to take the fight to the ground because that's where his strength is. His jiu-jitsu, his ground game is excellent on there. So I'm worried about both men's layoff. But if I had to pick a dog in this fight, I would maybe lean a little bit toward Martin Day. And it's 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 bothering me a little bit to say that because I know he is susceptible to takedowns due to his style of fighting. But I think that he can kind of keep Grant from coming in and landing a takedown and just keep the fight standing. And we've seen Grant get hit plenty of times before. I mean, he does have a chin on him, but because he's been hit, we know he can definitely get uh, clipped at any moment. So I, I, I think I'm going to go with Martin Day in this fight, potentially by decision. All right. Yeah, I think this one's definitely going to decision too, but I am a little bit worried. I think I'm going to say I'm more worried about Day being that his last fight, he's the one who got clipped. And then once he was down on the ground, he really looked like he didn't have any ideas on how to get up against uh, Ping Yuan. So, like, I'm worried that if he even goes down once, it could potentially be bad for him against Grant. So I'm going to take Grant by decision here. And that brings us to our very last fight, which is Carol Rosa versus Vanessa Mello. Uh, Mello, 0-2 in the UFC. She lost to Irene Aldana and Tracy Cortez, both by decision. And meanwhile, Carol Rosa is 1-0 with a decision victory over Lara Procopio. Uh, she was rebooked about 37 times with Julia Avila before they eventually gave that up. So here's the question. You know, with Mello at 0-2, have you seen anything here that really gives you confidence in what she can do against Rosa? No, not at all. I, even, <laughs> I'm sorry to say this. I hate counting anybody out, but I think this is honestly one of those fights where the loser is going to get cut, and it's pretty obvious who the loser is projected to be, and I think that is Vanessa Mello. I think that Rosa is the better striker of the two. She's really aggressive when it comes to like her output, so I, I think Mello is probably going to be overwhelmed by that. I think the only kind of a saving grace is that she Mello does well when whenever she's ready to counter, but it could be an issue against someone like Rosa. I mean, she'll probably just eat it and keep coming forward. I don't think Melo is equipped to handle that kind of pressure. So for me, it's going to have to be an easy win for Kara Rosa. I don't know if it's going to come by way of knockout. I'm not going to go that route. But I will say, if anything, the safest bet is Kara Rosa by decision. I think what you said there, too, about the fact that she will just eat those and keep moving forward is so important on this fight. Because, like... Uh, the, the fact that she puts things together and keeps moving forward when she gets hit uh, is so important when you're fighting somebody like Melo, and it's just going to be a nightmare for her. I also think the leg kicks are going to come into play here. Melo uh, definitely is going to land some leg kicks in here, so I, I'm going to go with you as well. I think a decision makes all the sense in the world. And that does it for all eight fights on this absolutely loaded prelim card. Obviously, the main card is going to be exciting as well. So make sure you tune in for all 13 of those fights. I want to thank Kristen King for joining me. I could not have done it without you. Thanks again for having me.